Please take your Bibles now and turn together to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20. Last week we began a series on the Ten Commandments, and we began introducing the topic of God's law. This morning is another introductory sermon as we get ready to hear the Ten Commandments in depth, looking at them one by one. Uh, This morning we're going to continue to lay a foundation for rightly understanding and applying God's law. And this morning we're going to take the bird's eye view of God's law. How can it be summarized? What is it really all about? How does Jesus himself summarize the law? And uh, we're going to see that it can be summed up in one word. Uh, One word, there are two tables of the law, and uh, we're going to consider that together this morning. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 17 of Exodus 20, all of the Ten Commandments along with the the prologue, what God says before uh, the Ten Commandments. And so please give your careful attention to God's word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that you are the Lord, our God, who through the Lord Jesus Christ has brought us out of the land of Egypt, so to speak, out of slavery, 
to sin and death. And you have revealed your character to us. You have showed us how you call us now to live in Christ. You've revealed our sin so that we might see our need for Christ. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would enable us by faith to understand what you call us to, what you've made us for. That you would enable us to love you and love our neighbor. Lord, as we give attention to your word now, we pray that you would ready our hearts, incline our hearts, make us humble and ready to hear from you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is there so little regard for God's law today? Why is it so little known and so little followed in the world and even at times in the church? There are likely many reasons, many answers to that question. But I believe there is a perception that the law takes away freedom. The law of God invades our personal space and preferences. Many see it as opposed to God's love and to God's grace. They see it as cold and harsh. And so you'll hear people say, well, we emphasize love, not law. We like to talk about love and not God's law. But the sad irony is that love is what the law is all about. Love is the very heart of the law. Uh, The law is vast and complex and detailed. It requires sacrifice and study and discipline. It is counter-cultural. It's counter-intuitive to our sinful nature. But at its core, it boils down to this. Love. This one word, love. Love of God and love of others. And it's actually meant to keep us from the slavery of sin. And the slavery of self-love. As we get ready to look at the Ten Commandments in depth and detail in the weeks ahead. We want to see today as Uh, The overarching theme, we want to see love as the overarching theme and summary of the law. Before we get into the particulars, uh, we need to keep this big picture in mind. And we need to keep it in mind as we go through the particular commandments. Love of God and love of others is what it is all about. The law, the Ten Commandments tell you And tell all people that you were made to love God and love others. That's what we want to see together this morning in God's law. You were created to love God and to love your fellow man. The God who made you wants you to love him and others. He requires you to live a life of love for him and others. Now, the Ten Commandments were given on two tablets, two tables of stone. And as we look at them, we see two distinct tables, two distinct parts 
of the law as Jesus did in Matthew 22. There's the love to God, our duty to God on the first table. And on the second table is our love to others, our duty to others. And so let's look at that this morning and consider that together. And I want us to see first that the first table of the law calls you to love your God. You are called to love your God, the Lord your God, the God. Listen again to verse 3 and following to hear what this looks like. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The first table of the law, the first four commandments, describe your duty to God. How you are to obey Him. How you are to relate to Him. What loving him does not look like specifically how he wants your love and your worship you could think about it this way the first commandment tells you who you must love and worship and trust as god god alone the second commandment tells us how we must love and worship the true god alone not with anything we might design or create Not in any way that he has not asked. The third commandment tells you the heart, the attitude you must have in worshiping God. An attitude of reverence and honor and respect. And the fourth commandment has to do with when you worship the true God. The time that you set apart to him to remember him and his works. And so we could say that the first table of the law tells you why God made you and how he made you to live. God made you for himself. God made you for worship and for love of him. You exist to glorify and to live for the God who made this world and everything in it. And when you live for something or someone else, when you love something or someone else above him, it breaks God's law. It goes against God's design. It goes against the very fabric of life and the purpose of existence. Jesus said in Matthew 22, and there he's affirming the validity and permanence of God's moral law. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. It takes priority above everything else. This is what life is all about. And he summarized it like this. Love 
the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Love God with everything that you are, your entire being, your body, your soul, your your intellect, your energy. Love your God. That is what that is your first calling and duty in life. Now as we hear about that and and we think about our own lives and our own hearts, we know that the reality is apart from God's grace, we can't do that. And and we don't do that, even as his people. We fail to love God. And in fact, in our sin, in our fallen nature, we hate God. The very opposite of love. We are in rebellion against him. And yet because of Christ's perfect love, his perfect life, his sinless sacrifice... Uh, By faith in Him, you are given new hearts. Hearts that can love God. Hearts that are freed to love God. Hearts that are called to love God. Love the Lord your God. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it means more than than a warm feeling for God. a identification with him. It means more than, than owning and occasionally reading a Bible, calling yourself a Christian, going to church. It means more than lip service love or outward love. Think about how to really love your spouse. To really love your spouse doesn't mean you just have, uh, you have a ring a marriage certificate, a wedding album. You live under the same roof. You give them the occasional gift. Those may be true. That may be a part of that relationship. But it means so much more. It means you spend time with that person. You want to know them better. You sacrifice for them. You are committed to them. You speak highly of them. You seek to build them up. You may give them gifts. You would lay down your life for them. Well, Maybe that is a small picture of how you are called to love God. Except he is your creator and your redeemer. He is not your equal. And so to love him, you are to be with him. You are to invest time and energy to know him. You must listen to him in his word. You, you communicate with him. You talk with him in prayer. You share your heart with him. Uh, to love him, you give him your time and not just leftover time. Uh, you commit your life to him. In fact, your life revolves around him. In whatever you do, whatever God has called you to, whatever season of life or position he's put you in, you long to know him and know how to honor and worship and serve him that you make the worship of him and your relationship to him a top priority you make it about him and what he wants you love him with outward and inward obedience and worship and if this sounds complex and and overwhelming and difficult on the one hand it is but on the other hand it 
It's rather simple. Love God. Love the Lord your God. And yet applying this in the particulars and the circumstances of life is not easy. It is a lifelong endeavor. Just like loving a spouse or a child or a friend takes practice and hard work and forgiveness and time. But when we think about our calling to love God, it is so helpful to consider his love for us. His love for us as sinners. He first loved us. Romans 5, 8 says God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, God is worthy of all of your love. You were not worthy of his love at all. And yet he loved you by giving up the one who perfectly loved him for all eternity. Fix your eyes on his love for you. Remember his love for you and love and worship him with full hearts in return. Make it your joy, your your life to love your God, your creator and your redeemer. Well, that leads us to the second table of the law this morning. The next six commandments which call you to love your neighbor. Let's consider that this morning. Love your neighbor. Look at verse 12 and following. What does love of neighbor look like? What does it not look like? Verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. How do you love your neighbor? Well, according to God's word, according to the second table of the law, you love your neighbor by honoring those over you, uh, your parents, by protecting life, by maintaining the purity and sanctity of marriage, uh, by respecting property, by speaking the truth, and by not being envious of your neighbor. Uh, Jesus sums up the second table of the law calling it the second greatest commandment and saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is your duty to your fellow man, love. And love in these six particular ways, positively and negatively, in all their vast implications, and we'll consider those in the weeks ahead. Leviticus 19.18 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? Well, it means loving any person that you have contact with, who your life or your actions touch. You don't even have to know them. You don't have to like them. They don't have to be your friend. They could be your enemy. You are called to love them as yourself. 
Uh, Jesus said, this means whatever you wish others would do to you, you do also for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 7, 7. To love your neighbor means you apply this golden golden rule to your heart towards others, your conduct towards others. You seek to do what is best for them as you would want for yourself. You seek their well-being, body and soul. You seek their eternal good as eternal beings. You love them in your thoughts and in your attitudes towards them. And God searches the heart. He knows if you're loving them outwardly but not inwardly. You love them with your words and your actions. This is what the law is all about. This fulfills the law. And we're going to see that that this is what each of the last six commandments boils down to. Loving your neighbor. Loving those around you as you would want them to love you. Romans 13, 8 through verse 10 says this, Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Do you want to keep God's law? Do you want to fulfill his law by his grace and to his glory? then love. Love each other. Love your spouse if you're married. Love your children if you have children. Love your parents. Love your friends. Love fellow Christians. Love your, your physical neighbors. Love your co-workers. Love the stranger that you meet on the street. Love the lost. Now again, as you hear all this, And as you think about your own heart and your own life, it can be overwhelming. And and you know, if you're honest, that you can't do this in your sin and on your own. And even in Christ, as new creations, we fail to love others. But if you trust in Christ who perfectly loved, then he forgives your sins and he remakes you. And you are in him truly a new creation. And you are enabled to love as he loved. Not perfectly and not fully in this life. But increasingly to his glory. Your duty to those who God has made is to love them. And that leads me third this morning to ask you, who do you love? Who do you love? The Ten Commandments tell you, Jesus tells you, the law and the prophets, all of Scripture tells you that you are made to love. You were created to love your Creator and to love those He has created around you. This is your purpose, this is your calling, this is the heart of the law. God made you so that you're wired to love. And to be in relationship. And to be in harmony with him and with those around you. This was life in the garden 
before sin. It was good and beautiful and perfect and pleasing. But sin has wrecked all of this. Rebellion against God. Sin against God. Sin has come in and destroyed this. And in our sinful nature, we've been rewired backwards. So that it's now in our nature not to love God. And not to love others. But rather to love and worship the self. To love and worship the creature rather than the creator. To give our time and our lives to self. To do what the self wants. To take for the self. To lie and steal for self. To live for self. Does that describe you apart from Jesus this morning? And think about it. Is such a life of self-love, be honest, is such a life, is it fulfilling? Is it satisfying? Is it beautiful? Is it good and joyful? Does it give contentment and peace? Does it bless those around you? Or does it make you feel empty, distant from God, guilty, unsatisfied, hopeless? And I think this morning that you know the answer. You know the answer regardless of your relationship to God this morning. If you love yourself above all else, and if you think this is what life is all about, this is good, this brings joy, you are not being honest about life and about yourself. You are ignoring and suppressing reality. You're deceived and blinded by sin. And you need to know that a life of loving yourself is empty and meaningless. It goes nowhere. It will ultimately drain the life out of you and those around you. And it will earn you eternal punishment from God. Just judgment. It's the exact opposite of what God calls you to and what you've been made for. And if that describes you this morning, you need to hear that and humble yourself before the Lord and repent of that sin and find mercy and forgiveness in Jesus Christ who died for sinners. Jesus will forgive you for this life of self-love. And he will give you a new heart. He will give you joy and meaning and love and life, eternal life. Search your heart, all of you. Search your heart this morning and your life. Look at and think about what drives you. How do you think? How do you spend your time, your money? How do you think about others and treat them? How do you relate to your creator? Where does the trail lead? Does it lead back to yourself? And even this morning, if self-love is not dominant in your life, if you are in Christ and growing in love for him and others, and I see this love in so many of you, you need to ask this morning, where is self-love still present in your life? 
Where do you need to be repenting and seeking God's mercy? Where do you perhaps need to say, God, help me. I don't love you here. I don't love others as you've called me to. I'm living for myself in this area of life. Forgive me. Let me trust in Christ's perfect love. Let his love drive out this empty self-love. Pour out your love in my heart by your spirit. Or maybe this morning this has all been review. You know God calls you to love him and others. You've heard this before. But you know that apart from Christ, you can't. You know that if you're honest with yourself, you're not doing so well in certain areas, but you're comfortable with that. You've grown accustomed to that. It's okay with you. Friends, do not ever be okay with sin. With sinful self-love. Fight it. Repent of it. Look to the cross of Christ. Look at the cost that was paid for your sin. Recognize that sin is fighting against you and your love of God and your love of others. It worms its way in where you least expect, where it, where it can go undetected. Don't let it choke out a life of love. Don't let yourself get in the way of your first love. God. And then others resist it. Ask God, God, search me. Show me my sin, my self-love. Help me get rid of it and repent. And and cling to the mercy of Christ. And trust in his power. Sanctify me. Help me replace this with a love for you and others. Show me your unfailing love for me. Let me be more eager to worship and serve you and be with you and love you. Let me be eager to serve and love others. Lord, help me get over myself. Give more joy in loving you and loving others by your grace and to your glory. The one governing principle, the one driving principle of your life should not be you should not be the self. It should be God and others. Love of God and others. And people are off track in life because they don't know this, they don't live this, they can't in their sin. They're trying to ride the single track of self-love. And that simply does not work. It may give passing pleasures, But it ends in destruction. The love of God and the love of others are the the twin tracks of true life. Life as it was meant to be. Life that's freed and renewed in Christ. And this is what you were made for and redeemed for. And if you're doing something else, it's not going to work. Think about how a train needs two parallel tracks to move. That's what gives it freedom. That's what enables it to freely run down the tracks. Well, in a similar way with your life, you need the constraint of God's law, the order and direction of his word, the twin tracks of love. 
love of God and love of others. Without this, you will be off track and lost. You won't know what to do with your life, with your time, with your decisions. You'll always end up favoring yourself. And you'll bring harm to yourself and to others. You will dishonor the God who made you. So remember these two tracks, these twin loves, these two laws. God made me to love him and to love others, to run on love. God calls me in everything I do to love him and to love others. Are you seeking that this morning? What do you love? What evidence is there in your life that you love God and love others? What would your schedule show? Your bank account, your free time, your thoughts. Brothers and sisters, what might need to change? And I'm asking myself that this morning as well. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love not only glorifies God and and blesses others, it is a defining mark of a disciple of Christ to the world. It is a powerful witness. Who do you love? Well, that brings us to a fourth and final question this morning. And that is, what is love? Let's consider that finally this morning. What is love? We've talked about who we must love, a little bit about how to love, but we have not talked much about what love is. We know love is upward and outward focused on God and others. But you have to realize that we are inflicted with the disease of self, self self-love. We've talked about this a little bit this morning. An inward focus because of sin. And this is true not only of ourselves, but especially the world around us, apart from Christ, does not know what love is. And it takes this beautiful idea and twists it and shrivels it down and makes it all about the self. And in our sinful nature, we can easily follow this. And so to know what love is, to see it displayed and defined and demonstrated and lived out, to correct our view, to see the source of power and motivation for love, we have to look to God who first loved us. God who calls us to love. God who is love. And we have to look to his son, Jesus. God manifested his love for us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus. In his coming, his life, his life of perfect love, his his death on the cross. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Friends, that is love. Love is active. Love means laying down your life for the good of others, even enemies. Love is obeying the Father. 
Jesus told his disciples, John 14, 31, I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. He said in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is where you see love lived out perfectly. He loved God. He kept all his commands and he loved you to the point of dying for you if your faith is in him. And he says, I did this so that you could love, so that you would love as I have first loved you. And in doing that, have real, true joy. That is what love is. Jesus knew and lived the first and second table of the law. The first and second greatest commandments. And now you can love because he first loved. And when you don't love God, when you sin, look to him. He forgives sinners. He died for sinners. His perfect life of love is yours. When you're stuck and discouraged and don't know how to live, don't know how to love, look to his love. Let that be your example and your motive. When you feel like you can't love and you don't want to love, when your love feels cold, look to him. When you are struggling to love someone in particular, consider his love for them. Consider his love for you as a sinner. When you don't feel like loving and obeying and worshiping God, when the pull of sin and self is so strong, look to him and his love. God made his love manifest among us by his beloved son, Jesus. That is love. And the law of love points you to him, the Lord of love. Jesus Christ. And as we study the Ten Commandments, I want us to keep this big picture, this summary in mind and not lose sight of this. Love. The law is complex. It's all-encompassing. It's humbling. It shows us our sin. Living it is not easy. But when you boil it down, at the heart of it is love. Love for God and others. That's the main principle, the main idea behind God's law. That's what God made you to do. That is what you failed to do as a sinner. But that is what he has sent Jesus Christ to do for you if you trust in him. And that's why you can now and you must do it for his glory. In some ways, this is really not all that complicated. God loved you, an unloving, law-breaking sinner. And now he calls you to love like him, 
to love him and others. And this is a gift. This is a glorious privilege. Kids, as we close this morning, I want you to look at your hands. Look at your hands this morning and then look at your fingers and count them in your head. You might not need to count them. You know there's ten fingers. Well, your ten fingers can remind you of the ten commandments. And then also you have two hands. That can remind you of the two tables, the two parts of God's law, the two great commandments. Love God and love others. Now put your hands together. It is like God's one law that fits together perfectly. His law of love. This is what God made you for and this is what he's calling you to in Christ. 1 John 4.21 says this, This commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Love of God and love of brother, love of neighbor, go hand in hand. Remember that. People of God, you were made to love God and others. You've been remade and redeemed to do this. And if you're trusting in Christ who did that perfectly for you, you've been made new so that you might live a life of joy and gratitude and obedience to God, a life of love for him and others. Make that your goal, your driving passion in life for him who first loved you. Run on these two tracks of love for God and others, and may God who loves you be glorified. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that you have made us in your image with the capacity to love. With the great gift of being able to love you and love those around you. We don't see that in any other creature or being in this world. And yet, Lord, we confess that we have sinned against you. We have not lived the very way you made us to live. And Father, we confess that to you this morning and ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, we pray that you would enable us to, by faith, cling to the Lord Jesus Christ, who saves sinners, who perfectly loved you and loved others for us, and then laid down his life for us in love so that we might be loved by you, that we might be forgiven, that we might be freed to live how we were first made to live. Lord, I pray that everyone here would know your love in Christ, would repent of their sins, and be enabled more and more, not for their glory, but for yours to love and to bring glory to your name, you who first loved us. Lord, as we study your law, help us to keep this summary in mind, this calling from Jesus to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, we can't do that in and of ourselves, but by faith and by your grace, we pray that you would enable us to do this to your glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Please take your